So how about we uh, try to stay on topic this time and just focus on the actual movie? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know me, when I get off topic, I get off topic. Yeah. So, what did you like and not like about the movie? Let's see. Um, let's start with what I didn't like about the movie. Let's start with that for a second. Well, what I didn't like about it was it wasn't a, a traditional straight up sequel to the first film, especially with the ending with Mordo, because I thought they were kind of setting him up for a villain for the sequel by guessing this could be for the third film. Actually, so while hard. on that topic, did you hear there was apparently an alternate opening scene to this movie where Baron Mordo was hunting the Scarlet Witch to kill her, and she ends up decapitating him. Oh, I would have loved to see that. Oh, man. Yeah. So there was a, a bunch of rumors going around like that. That was like uh, an alternate opening. But apparently it didn't do a good job because uh, one, it's more interesting getting the reveal later on that Wanda's the villain. And yeah. also, I feel like they probably have plans later for Baron Mordo. Or this also shows that there's a possibility that they no longer had plans for Baron Mordo. So it's like, oh, we'll just kill him off. Yeah, uh, but they didn't do that, uh, obviously. So maybe he's in hiding, maybe he's still searching. Yeah, because we know that apparently, um, you know, Strange knows he wants him dead. So they probably encountered each other off screen a few times. So we don't know exactly what's going on, but stuff's going on. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's no doubt about that. That is, that's the only thing I didn't like about the film because I didn't follow up on that storyline. Here's what I did like about the film. Uh, I thought there was great character development with all the characters. Uh, I'd love the new um, character edition, especially one that can actually, you know, jump in, in between uh, universes. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. I, I found I her character was also relatively well done, America Chavez. Because I'm yeah. going to be honest, when they do her in the comics, they um, they ham-fist her, you know? Like, how do I put this? She's one of those characters that comes off as holier than thou, even though you've probably never heard of her. Yeah. But here it's like, she is what she is. She's a kid trying to figure out what the hell's going on in her life. Which I think a lot of people can relate to, especially at that age. Oh, for sure. Like I find they're doing the the young uh the young heroes relatively well. Like they're not. Yeah, they are. Yeah, because you know America Chavez, she's not. She couldn't even beat the Scarlet Witch. She had to outsmart her. Yeah, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. Because finally, you get to see the hero outsmart the villain. You don't really see that in these type of films. Oh, for sure. And, like, America Chavez was well known as a character. It established her. Like, that is, like, one argument you can make about this movie is that it feels like it's more in place to introduce a character like America Chavez for another movie or project. Yeah. Like, uh, Hawkeye solo series. Is it more of a Hawkeye show or is it more of a vehicle to introduce the new Hawkeye? I think it's more of a vehicle to introduce the new Hawkeye. A lot of ways. Yeah. But you can argue it as both because you know what? Some of these actors, like, I'm not sure how many of them want to keep returning for these roles. 
So it's like, oh, cool. You know what? We'll do yeah, yeah, story. Yeah. We'll, we'll close up mine and we'll introduce a kid's sidekick. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right about that because with Hawkeye, it did feel like that. Because that's it. You have to remember, these are movies. They're not the comics where the characters are going to be around for the next 30 to 50 years. Exactly. And at some point, you know, you got to pass the torch. But that is definitely something that is a good thing I like about the movies. Yes, they pass the torch. Oh, can we also talk about how um, Doctor Strange decided to multi-class into Necromancer? Yeah, that was like, what's happening here? <laughs> oh, yeah, I just love that. Okay, so just for a little bit of setup. Uh, they encounter another version of Doctor Strange at the beginning of the movie who dies. Yeah. And his corpse falls into uh, the, main, the main reality. And, of course, Doctor Strange's uh, reaction is like, well, that's the, the weirdest thing I ever buried. So yeah. later on in the movie, he dreamwalks into his alternate reality self's decomposing body, therefore becoming a necromancer. And then using the spirits of the dam as a cloak. And I'm just watching this part like, we got zombie strange with the spirits of the damned as a cloak. And I'm just like, I am loving this imagery. I yeah, the minute I was like, okay, it would definitely have left the Marvel universe and Verge a little bit into the Evil Dead universe. Oh yeah, I would love to bring a kid to that and just like try to explain what's going on. Yeah, especially it's like, Daddy, what what's happening here? Okay. Uh, well, son, uh, uh, Doctor Strange, our Doctor Strange, is dreamwalking. He's going. His consciousness is going into the body of another, yeah, another version of himself that's decomposing. So on that topic, <laughs> uh, I can see why this is considered a light horror movie. Yeah. Because we got to talk about Scarlet Witch. Okay. Yeah. Christ almighty. She's, they, they legitimately got a good jump scare with Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. There was a couple of times I actually jumped out of this, out of my seat, you know, uh, when she came on the screen, I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> like, the idea with how powerful she is and how bloodlusty she is, and you realize, Oh my god, these guys are just like teenagers at like Camp Crystal Lake, all right? Yeah. Okay, like they don't know what they're in for. We know how powerful she is. She just jobbed a bunch of uh Illuminati. And my god, and there's a scene where she's chasing them. And it feels like I'm watching something out of a slasher film more than a superhero movie. Yeah, and I actually like feeling because it kind of, you know, puts, you know, the superheroes kind of on equal footing because they're like, okay, now there's something they're really to be afraid of. You know, yeah, you thought Thanos was scary, but this is real horror. Yeah. I think the argument to be made there is that they're used to dealing with their Wanda Maximoff, who, yeah. you know, more basic levels of power. Yeah, she could have beaten Thanos, but she didn't have the power to rewrite reality. Uh, no. there's only one Scarlet Witch apparently in the multiverse at a time 
like because she's referred to as a nexus being so i don't know what that means in this particular continuity but i think the idea is that scarlet witch being scarlet witch is a very unique thing yeah so like they were not prepared for how powerful she really was well because they uh, they kind of downplay it's like look we can handle her all right but then when you saw the, her full power especially this version you're like okay we really gotta you know try to do something here and there was several attempts, you know, just to try to, you know, put her down this and especially by Xavier. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that was horrific. I was completely shocked that they did this. Oh, my God. I did not see that stuff coming. Like, if everyone's like saying it's like smartest man on Earth immediately tells her how to beat the Black Bolt. One. Yeah. He yeah. probably did not know she had reality warping powers at this point. Because one, their Wanda doesn't. So the and he's also not a horrible person. So he's like, look, this guy here, he can kill you with a word. So yeah. you want to be careful here. Yeah, just how she took down the the Illuminati just one by one. I was like, yeah, that's definitely a slasher horror film esque. It was insane. Like what she. What she did to Black Bolt, once like the, the proper quality version of this movie drops, a digital version, that's yeah. gonna be the new mind blown meme. Mind blown meme. Oh, absolutely. That, that there's no question about it. Oh my god. And but overall, like sitting through that movie, seeing where the characters would go, Wong was always great. Like Wong is Wong, he's always amazing. And yes. I was, I like to the point that the, the, the MCU's gotten so weird that we can have a Minotaur and, and Quimertage and not ask questions about it. Yeah. It's like, at one point, that would be the whole focus of the movie. It's like, but now it's like, oh, okay, there's a Minotaur here. Moving on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, Sorry. Yeah, it, it, was just, it was just great. Also, the fight with uh, Strange and the other evil Strange. Yes. Okay. I think they kind of did a bad thing by making the what if Strange because I kept thinking, oh my God, are we seeing that Doctor Strange? Because this reality is starting to look like the reality he fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I think they need to like establish firm ground rules on what the. Um, the incursions are how they're made because if we're just saying incursions happen because of dreamwalking or do they happen because of other things like i think we need to be we need to delve deeper into this yeah i think uh, i think they're gonna do that you know uh, especially with the next sequel but also further into it because dr strange is gonna be a very big focal point going forward in the mcu oh yeah and now we uh, since we uh completely wrote out his other love interest Christine we're now bringing in his other love interest from the comics yes and before we get to that for a second I like the line where you know he tells Christine I love you in every universe I was like that that's a perfect line that's such a perfect line it's already a meme oh yeah but I've been seeing he, that meme he, all over yeah but he, he accepts you know he now accepts that he can't look over the past but he meets is his new uh, lady friend. Yeah. 
the uh, niece of Dormammu and Sorceress Supreme of the uh, Dark Dimension. Uh, I already forgot her name. Clea. Clea, thank you. And that was like such a random thing to see at the end of the movie, but I'm like, okay, I'm here for this. Yeah. It, it, it just goes to show you that they're uh, definitely thinking about this, the next one. Speaking of which, since we're talking about the, the ending, did you hear about one of the alternate after credit scenes that they were supposed to show? Um, I did not. There was rumors going around that there was going to be a Deadpool uh, after credit scene. Oh man! Like Tim and Cable, like coming in and just like making fun of all how of, of how all the Illuminati died. Oh man! Oh god! But that would have be, been so rich. Yeah, but to be fair, I can totally seeing them do that in the actual Deadpool movie. He just like time warps to that moment in time, just makes fun of everybody how they died. Yeah. Yeah. But, I yeah, I could definitely see that too. Yeah, because the thing is, like, this movie definitely really showed us the multiverse, like into the uh, into the Spider Verse or the Spider Man, the Spider Man Homecoming. Sorry, kind of introduced us to parallel realities and how different things could be, and also establishing that all the old Marvel movies are alternate realities of this multiverse. Yeah, but this one kind of really showed us how out there some of these realities can be. Like, for example, the what-if realities are realities where everything's animated. <laughs> because Pretty much. Yeah, because there was a reality where they went to and they turned into paint. Yeah, that, like, that, was, that was cool. That yeah. was cool. I love American Chavez saying, like, yeah, you, you want to be careful in that reality. It's really easy to get stuck there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Overall, though, we could talk about Doctor Strange like all day, but it was a really good movie. I enjoyed it a lot. And it was good to see something so comic booky. And yeah. it really, really was a good thing that I didn't watch any of the trailers. Yes, because it would have spoiled a lot. Uh, I will say uh, for Sam Raimi fans, it was cool to see the uh, the classic the Delta uh, Oldsmobile from the Evil Dead series and Sam Raimi's personal car in the movie again, because Raimi puts that car in almost every movie that he's made. Wait, where was that car? That was when uh, Strange and Christine went to that uh, other reality to, alone yeah. to try to uh, get the book. Oh, you can yeah, just say yeah. you see the car just floating there. I was like, ah, it's the Delta, yeah. Oh, my God. And let's not forget the the classic cameo of Bruce Campbell. Oh, yeah. He was the after credit scene, too. It's over. It's finally over. (laughs) In that classic Bruce Campbell, (laughs) you know, exaggeration, and they're like, Oh, got it. Now I wanted Ash versus Evil Dead season four. <laughs> I would have loved it if, he, if, like, at the end, like, while he's beating himself up with his hand, at one point he just says, Not again. Yes. That would have been funny. Uh, 
but overall, I enjoyed the movie. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was just great fun. Yeah. Although now you made me want pizza balls. <laughs> Look. How does that even work? I don't know, but I, I would believe that those exist on some kind of street vendor in New York, okay? I'm, I'm in Canada. I, like, I believe that you, that you guys got that disgusting food down there. I, I, have, I have never seen it. I, I would, if there's a recipe for it, uh, I would look it up and send it to you, but I've never seen it. Okay, but let's be honest. Somebody's trying to figure out how to make pizza balls now, and they're going to make a mix. Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you have no idea, folks. Uh, every single time, you know, something food-related happens in some of these movies and television series, Somebody figures out how to, how to do it. Uh, now, speaking of uh, Marvel properties, yeah, let's talk about Moon Knight a little bit. All right, let's talk about it. So you finished the series, right? Yeah. What'd you think of it? Like, did you enjoy it? It was weird. It was definitely not what I was expecting. Uh, this was the one Marvel comic that I didn't grow up reading. But it was it was not hard to follow. I had followed it pretty straight away, but it was just weird, you know, because you're combining, you know, some of these fictional characters with some of these uh, Egyptian gods, you know, that have been, you know, that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. And it's very interesting to see how they're interacting with our, this reality. Oh, for sure. But the good thing is that one interesting thing about this show is that it doesn't feel connected to any of the other Marvel properties. This feels like the most standalone uh, Marvel series I've seen yet. I actually like that aspect because, you know, you know, again, it's a, good, a condensed story. You don't have to really say, oh, uh, oh, in the background, there is Thor. Or, you know, some of the other characters. Yeah. There was rumors going around that they did want to slightly connect us to Thor, Love and Thunder, explaining why the gods were in hiding because, you know, the, the villain for God and Thunder is Gore the God Butcher. Yeah. But it looks like they dropped that or if they did film those scenes and decided it wasn't really needed for the audience. No, I don't think it was necessary. I think uh, the story as it is is fine. Yeah. And I do like what they did with uh, Mark in the sense that he, they've established he has uh, identity dissociative disorder. Yeah. And I think they actually did quite a bit of research to find out like the origins of things to do it in a more clever way. And it seems that um, whatever Khonshu did to them made it worse. Yeah. Like this... He, these people are not supposed to be 100% like people like this, but it feels like it's a mix of like an actual real world psychosis and being enhanced because of the supernatural. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole thing, the whole concept was just interesting to me, you know, just to see, you know, to, there's two different personalities in that, in that one uh, body, you know, completely different and they just have a common goal at the towards the end of the towards the end of the series or this the first season definitely although there was a big big gap because of that 
in the first yeah. episodes where he's like coming in and out of consciousness of his different personalities and you kind of just like jump cut to like oh snap he's in this situation now he's in this situation like in the first episode that made a lot of sense because you didn't as the audience you didn't know what was going on yeah, because it is very disorienting, and it should be, you know, because it keeps us on our toes, and he's not quite sure what's what's really going on. Yeah, but doing that in the last episode was a crime. Yeah. Okay, because, like, we're at the climax of the story, and you're just removing the final confrontation? Yeah, it, it felt, it, it definitely was a, it definitely felt like a letdown. Yeah. Because obviously they had been hinting there's there was a third personality in there. You know, they hinted it during the, the internal scene. They hinted it at when they killed somebody and neither of them knew how they got there. Yeah. I think like having in the final fight, if uh, Jack put on his version of the outfit and did what he did, even if it was just really short, it would have been way more interesting than just cutting past it. Like, that was yeah. my major complaint about the whole series, that killing of the ending, in a way. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Everything else I was fine with, though. Like, you could have been, like, not even have a different costume, but less, like, him acting in such a different way, and you're not sure, wait, is this them? Is this something else? Or what are we seeing here? But I feel like they really dropped the ball there. Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. But overall, like, I really liked it. Like, I, something about it feels like it was like a superhero Indiana Jones story. Well, I think that was always the intent, you know? Yeah. Because even the creators are like, yeah, we were looking at Raiders of the Lost Stark, you know, a little bit of the mummy. Oh, for sure. I think some people feel that it kind of ruined uh, Moon Knight a little bit as a character from what they're used to him in the comics. But yeah. What I'm used to Moon Knight from the comics is all those like uh, meme pages of yeah. like random bullshit go. Uh, or my favorite is uh, Moon Knight walking down a flight of gothic stairs and him saying, it's like, I know you're here, Dracula, you freaking nerd. I owe me 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I know that's a fake line, but it's one of the funniest things I ever read. Yeah, but uh, that 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 that's the interesting thing. Um, I hope we get to see more of that as the series goes on. Yeah, because you know Moon Knight has some pretty good like one-liners and crossovers, especially like I love when he turns to Spider-Man. It's like I I zoned out there for a second. What's going on? Oh, uh, Gamora's taking over the family business. Which one's Gamora? And it's like, <laughs> okay, when the fighting starts, just punch who I punch. <laughs> And I just feel like, wow, that's such a commentary to all these superhero team-ups. It's like, why am I even here? What's going on? Oh, okay, you're fighting him. I guess I'll just double down. Yeah, pretty much. But, no, it really felt like a good Indiana Jones, like, six-episode series. Mixing in yeah. the supernatural, mixing in the superheroes. And I love that the Moon Knight suit is supernatural. Well, that's the only way to do it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, cool, his powers are more supernatural. He's not just a white Batman. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's got a cool design to it, you know? Yeah. It, it reminded me of the uh, uh, mummy wrappings. Oh, for sure, yeah. 
So Mark gets the traditional Moon Knight costume. Yeah. And um, his other personality, I forget the name. I, oh my God. I'm it's uh, Stephen Grant. Stephen Grant gets the Mr. Knight costume, which apparently was the most difficult suit to design for that show. I can believe that because, you know, you have to think about the pattern. I mean, is the pattern going to be on the shirt as well? Is it going to be on the tie? And just, you know, doing it in suit form, I'm pretty sure that thing's probably just uh, just hot to wear. And it's not just that. It's also because, uh, how do I put this? It's an actual suit. Yeah. It's not a CG outfit that they can just play around with and edit later. It's like they have to actually make this proper suit. And I think that was more difficult for the costume department, especially if you're used to being more uh, on the CG side of things. Yeah, especially when you're doing uh, a Marvel uh, show or movie. Yeah, they, what they typically do is with, when you tailor this, they want to make sure that it's very light. So that's very hard to do, especially with that uh, whatever material they made that suit out of. Oh, definitely. But I love them going back and forth between the suits and the personalities. It's just like it's very visually appealing. Yeah. And I think we also got a, a hot girl before we got hot girl. <laughs> yeah. It, it's even Egyptian themed and everything. And I'm like, oh, that worked pretty well. Like, yeah, she's only in there in the last episode, but I don't know. She had a good presence. She did. She probably she very well did. Yeah. Now, my question is, are we going to see them again at any point? Like, I don't know why, but I seeing Mark and um and his uh his wife teaming up with Shang Chi would would actually sound really fun. That would be a great movie right there. Yeah. It's something about the crossing of like those two franchises that actually like I don't know why, but those two look like they team up well. Here, I think we gotta go call Marvel and just write the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Marvel? We're coming. <laughs> well, you're you're a lot closer to their head offices than I am. Oh, for God's sakes! <laughs> you have to just come, you have to just drive all the way up there and just drag you to Los Angeles. I thought they were in New York. Well, well, yeah, they do have a branch in New York, but I think their um, motion picture offices are in Los Angeles. Oh, okay, yeah, no, no. Well, that's what the internet is for. We'll we'll mail it, anyways. Yeah, we'll mail it. We'll mail it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, those two would cross over well if you get the right villains, you get the right story. Yeah, and they're definitely rebuilding something akin to the hand, because at the end of uh, Shang Chi, like they were rebuilding uh, the Ten Rings, and I think the Ten Rings are going to substitute for the hand at this point. I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Because, like, they kind of dropped the ball with the hand with uh, the Netflix shows. Yeah. And I know they're bringing... Uh, they did announce they're bringing back uh, Daredevil. Yeah, so, I'm excited. I'm very excited about that. Um not sure where the story's going to go. I, I think I heard they were going to, you know, continue from the uh, plot threads that were left by the end of season three. So the question is, are the Netflix shows actually canon to the main uh, universe now? 
I like to think that they are. Well, they're in a place where they don't really contradict anything. Yeah. Like we even saw Kingpin show up in like the uh, the Hawkeye show. Yeah. So it's like, okay, cool. They're starting to bring in these characters and these properties into this franchise. And because they're all street level, and let's be honest, none of the movies we've been watching are street level. Yeah. Even Spider-Man, arguably the most street level hero of them all, hasn't had a street level adventure yet. Yeah, I actually have an idea for a street level Spider-Man movie uh, for the fourth installment. Yeah. Who would you use as a villain? I, if I'm being honest, I would choose Kingpin as the villain. You know, I could definitely see that working, like just drawing some inspiration from the opening run of Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, and also, um, you know, he puts a contract on Spider-Man because he's messing with his uh, smaller businesses. So he actually hires uh, Craven the Hunter to go after him. Mm, that could work. Yeah, so that, that's my idea. Kind of have like a gauntlet of uh, villains after him while he tries yeah. to figure out what's going on. And if if you were to use the scene from Ultimate Spider-Man, I think you know the the one I'm about to talk about. The uh, the letter that uh, Spider-Man reads to Kingpin. Oh, I would definitely use that. That that was so funny. I was laughing hysterically. I would use that in the script. Yeah, so the scene to paint the picture is that. Kingpin has already wiped the floor with Spider-Man at this point. He unmasked them. He threw, he thought he killed them and he threw them out. But the thing is, Peter Parker at this point in the story is a 16-year-old high school kid. Yeah. He looked at him and was like, I have no idea who the fuck this is. And his face is so generic, I'm never going to be able to pick him out from a crowd. Yeah. And Spider-Man decides to come back and starts to uh, and starts to try to plan on how he's actually going to beat the kingpin. And it's so like, well, I got to make him mad. So he pulls out. It's like, I figured next time I see you, I should tell you something very specific. So I prepared a speech. And he starts lift, listing just fat jokes. Yeah. Like, You're so fat that this. It's like he just goes on like that for like a few panels to the point where like kingpin just loses it and starts attacking in anger. And Spider-Man takes advantage of that. And I'm like, that is such a brilliant move. Yeah, and I would definitely use that in uh, that uh, my version of uh, the fourth installment. Yeah, but that's it. Like they had a Spider-Man and Kingpin had such a good villain dynamic in that early run of the comic. Yeah. That yeah, I would just I would love to see that in uh, a proper setting because Kingpin's like the arch enemy to so many people. The like between him and Spider-Man, he's such a big villain. Yeah, yeah. You remember the '90s uh, Spider-Man cartoon? Kingpin was the big bad. Yeah, uh, he was the one that uh, people were definitely afraid of, and you know, Spider-Man, when he knew of his existence, was just a big foil. Yeah, and do you remember the spectacular Spider-Man cartoon? I do. Originally, they wanted to use Kingpin as the villain uh, instead of Tombstone, but the thing is because. Kingpin was tied up with Daredevil with the movie rights and all that, that they weren't allowed yeah. to use them. So they had to basically create somebody or use somebody to fill in the same slot. Yeah. And I think, um, 
I think that was a mistake. But again, I understand uh, with uh, copyrights, you know, being in different studios. So I understand that. Yeah. I will say, though, that the Kingpin they had for the original Daredevil, Daredevil movie was really good. Oh, I enjoyed him. I, I enjoyed uh, his performance, I, his presence. I thought he was the right uh, build for that character. Oh, definitely. He was, the, he was the right amount of kind and terrifying. Yeah. And, you know, just, just, just dangerous as well. Because there was moments where he was just uh, just as fast or even faster than Daredevil at that point. Yeah, because you gotta remember, Daredevil's a great fighter, but he yeah. has no superpowers. He just has really good sonar. Yeah. And that's great. But when Kingpin is still a threat to somebody like Spider-Man, who arguably has like a very inconsistent uh, power scaling, <laughs> Yeah, that's terrifying because you're like, okay, I'm this uh, guy that has these spider superpowers, but I'm still being getting beat up by this huge guy, which is just as strong. Oh, yeah. this is insane. Indubitably. But I will say this though: at least Marvel's constantly putting out stuff that's worth watching. Uh, while yeah. we're on the topic, did you see the trailer for She-Hulk? I did. I gotta tell you that that that, that could be a very fun series right there. Yeah, it's basically meant to be a legal comedy, so it's gonna yeah. be like case of the week, which I'm all for. Yeah, and they're also playing on the whole uh, She-Hulk sexual liberation thing aspect of her character, which is great. Yeah, because you know, part of me was concerned that they're gonna downplay the character in this day and age, but they're like, no, no, we're going all in. <laughs> No, oh, I actually think it's uh, I think it's appropriate because you know you're like well how how does she date you know that, that's the thing how does she date so I'm very pleased that they're doing that especially at the end trailer I was like okay I we're going I see where they're going with this I like this <laughs> I think I've just seen so many um, so many memes of like you know that the, the ending of that trailer where she's picking up the guy and taking him to the bedroom. Yeah. And like the next meme is like, oh wow, I hope this does not wake awaken something in me. <laughs> um I, again uh, let's keep this PG 13. <laughs> no. uh, that's that's case, that's up to you, Pete. That's up to you guys. You leave that to your imagination. <laughs> let's just say there's gonna be a lot of snoo snoo memes when that show comes out. Yes, yes, absolutely. Probably but, some uh, noise complaints from the neighbors. Yeah. And I like the fact that this looks like it's set after uh, Endgame, and it looks like Hulk's got his arm back to normal, so that's good. Yeah, and it, it was actually great, and I think it's definitely got set to his, you know, his uh, appearance in Shang-Chi, where he wasn't super uh, smart Hulk. Oh, yeah, it's like the, the theory is that he probably powered down so he can fix his arms to power back up. Yeah. And I know it's like us as like huge nerds just asking these questions like, why is it like this? Is his arm going to get fixed? Is this going to happen? It's like, okay, you know what? Just just drop us a line. Drop us a bone. Like, answer something, please. Yeah, because we're getting tired of saying, okay, we'll just uh, uh, you know, suspend disbelief and just accept it. But I really want to know what they're going to be doing with this show because it look it looks so far 
what they're using as villains is obviously Emil Blonsky's abomination. Yeah. Uh, Titania, who is a recurring villain for She-Hulk. And she yeah. looks like the outfit and everything. She looks like a professional wrestler, which I'm all here for. Yeah. Uh, the Wrecking Crew look like they're in this. You know who I would like to see in this? Is it Frogman? Because apparently Frogman's in this. No, not Frogman. The leader. That could work as well. Because that was hinted at at the end of The Incredible Hulk. And I was like, oh, come on. You didn't follow up on this? Come on. God, it's been like, what, almost 15 years since that movie? Yes. So maybe they'll do it this time. That would be a great uh, idea. Like the uh, Intellectia. Where it was like the smartest villains from the MC from the Marvel Universe who got got together to be like the evil version of the Illuminati. Yeah, so that would be cool. Uh, 